Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Psst. Hey, you. Could you step to the side? You can see me. You're blocking my view. There seems to be some technical malfunction. The camera's not reading you. You don't recognize me? Actually, it's funny, but you do look rather like... My God, you're alive. Well, I'm somewhat overwhelmed. I meet all sorts of killers in my line of work, but you're my first gay ghost. Maybe I infected people. I didn't know. I'll put you right in the display itself. What a coup. Patient Zero speaks from beyond the grave. I'll find a way to stop you. It's going ahead whether you like it or not. Look, I'm offering you equal time. A chance to tell your side of the story. When you are a ghost that's been forgotten, you'll do anything to live again. The price of life is paid in compromises. You've got to sell your pride to save your skin. Good evening, and welcome to television. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. And welcome to a special episode where we commemorate World AIDS Day with the Canadian fantasy musical Zero Patience. Please explain. Following an encounter with the Fountain of Youth in 1892, Victorian adventurer and sexologist Sir Richard Francis Burton, John Robinson, is 170 years old and living in Toronto where he works as the chief taxidermist at the Natural History Museum. Deciding to feature AIDS as the centerpiece of his exhibition in the Hall of Contagion and accepting the widespread belief that the acquired immune deficiency syndrome was brought to North America by a person known as Patient Zero, Normand Foteau, Burton sets out to collect video footage from those who knew him to support the hypothesis. But when Zero's family and friends refused to paint him as a knowing and irresponsible spreader of the virus, Burton manipulates the recorded interviews to make it look like they do. Shortly thereafter, Zero's ghost materializes and asks Burton to find a way to bring him back to life. John Grayson's counterpoint to the patient Zero theory arrived at the beginning of the new queer cinema movement. Despite mixed reviews upon release, Zero Patience remains a unique discussion point conceived and made at the height of HIV AIDS related hysteria and discrimination. But Philip, did you pop a boner for zero patients? <laughs> I need to be able to time travel to be in the writer's room for this show. <laughs> there are just so many questions. I don't know if I've got any of the answers, but go for it. <laughs> okay, so why Burton? You know, like, okay. why not just choose a contemporary or even a fictitious, you know, someone? Why do you need to bring in the Victorian era specifically? Mm. Like, I don't know much about him, but I, I get the idea that he was someone that, you know, wrote a lot during the Victorian era and maybe was fundamental in the writings on early 
homosexuality, etc. Then make the fucking show in his era or have him actually time travel or some time travel back to teacher mother or some shit like that. Don't have this weird fucking fountain of youth bullshit. But and then know, everyone seems fine with that. That's just I, the world they live in. I was going to say, if you accept <laughs> that Richard Francis Bolton was able to live all of these years because he fell, <laughs> I guess, into the fountain of youth, and it seems like nobody else wanted to do that, right? But so if you accept that, <laughs> then... I guess it allows you to accept the idea that Zero can come back as a ghost and only Bolton can see him and for a very brief moment does come back to life until he realises that that's not what he should be doing. I suppose the reason why they use Bolton as a vessel, I guess, for this story is perhaps to reflect old-fashioned ideals about sexuality because there is this sort of homophobia linked to Bolton at the beginning. He's really determined to make Mm. Zero the bad guy, that he went around maliciously infecting other people and that he did bring the HIV AIDS virus to North America and was reckless about it. So perhaps that was the angle. I actually feel like, like you, Philip, they could have made it a contemporary to do the exact same thing. And it's not like people had views that were much different. No, not in the nineties. And especially when we're relating to the theory of patient zero, you're absolutely right. I guess, look, this is a musical. There's some interesting songs, (laughs) some interesting numbers here and the way they're presented so I guess it's just making the world as heightened as possible. But again, it's, it's not like the movie is about Bolton's Fountain of Youth, because you're right, everyone accepts him. He still dresses the same way, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, you know, his physique is very much 90s, though. <laughs> not like the yeah. era that he was from, but I don't yeah. know. I guess he's, he's modernised in some ways. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting choice. It's an interesting choice. Yeah, and that, that's it. It's an interesting choice for something that... Yeah, again, it's just, for me, almost, it didn't, it's like, why throw that in? Yeah. Now, something that I feel this show did get right Mm. was actually, it's done something that I think a lot of, especially musicals, but shows in general get wrong if they try to do this thing. Mm. And that is, it has tackled a lot of different issues. Oh, yeah. Or sub-issues. And the thing is, normally, a show messes up entirely when they try to do that. Yeah. Because it poses too many questions, its message is garbled. But I feel the message of this show at the very core Mm. is something along the lines of tolerance, acceptance, you know, don't be a dick. Um, So all these other issues that surround and float around that it's a very strong core so all these issues around it can just sort of float and hover without being answered whereas usually a a movie will try to tackle each issue and this doesn't it just sort of throws the questions out there i'm actually going to talk about the story in a second because i have a question for you that relates to a film 
that we have reviewed on this podcast quite a few episodes ago. So I'll be interested on your take. But first, I'm just going to put out there a bit of context about this movie and the whole idea about Patient Zero. And who Patient Zero is, is essentially who medical researchers have labelled as the man responsible for bringing the HIV AIDS virus into North America. And we can see in this film, the character of Zero, you know, is really rebelling against that, I suppose, in terms of like, it wasn't me, I didn't bring this disease here, I didn't knowingly infect all of these people. And then ultimately, just for the idea of being alive again, he's happy to <laughs> just say, whatever, you can slander me as, as much as you like. But we've got his family and friends who are saying, no, it wasn't like that at all. He is a really nice guy. He's not this like sociopath or serial killer or whatever that, you know, Burton is determined to put forward. What this movie is doing is it's trying to actually counteract a widespread belief that patient zero was actually identified. So who is the real life patient zero or person that was labeled patient zero? So that gentleman was by the name of Gaeta Dugar, and he was a French Canadian flight attendant. So in 1984, he was showing a lot of symptoms of having AIDS and contributed to research at the Center of Disease Control in the United States. So what he did was he was sharing details of his sexual encounters, you know, the the names, the addresses, the phone numbers of his sexual partners for contact tracing and things like that. He was being incredibly helpful because he was like, well, this is this new disease, a gay cancer, as it was being called then. He wanted to help out. The information that he does give does help researchers learn about the disease, at least in terms of the way it spreads. In 1984, Gaeta Dugar dies, and his file was originally designated him as patient 57 in the initial study. That then gets changed, and they call him patient O, the O standing for out of California, so the fact that he did not reside in California. At some point, the researchers, either intentionally or through a misinterpretation, see the O as a zero. In 1987, a man by the name of Randy Schiltz is doing research about the HIV AIDS virus, and he publishes a famous book called And the Band Played On, Politics, People and the AIDS Epidemic. In the book, Schiltz refers to Tugar a lot, and refers to him as patient zero. And he portrays him as having this sociopathic behavior. He's intentionally infecting people or recklessly endangering others with the virus. He does paint him as a villain and as the cause. The publisher of the book is happy to run with this and actually accentuate and make it more extreme because you know what? That puts the book on the front page of newspapers. Literally, Dugas is called The Man Who Gave Us AIDS. The book is turned into an HBO miniseries in 1993, and Dugas does feature in it, being portrayed by Jeffrey Nording. And in the miniseries, he is portrayed as being quite like cocky. Oh, I don't care. I'm still going to go around and have sex with people. Yeah, whatever. I've helped you as much as I could. Being quite blasé about it. Dugas wasn't, by what I've heard, 
like that. He was still sexually active because they couldn't conclusively say that sexual yeah. practices spread the disease. But I don't think he was as flippant or as malicious as the text or the film adaptation yeah. presented it. And it isn't until 2016 that a study of the early AIDS cases actually demonstrated and proved that it was impossible for Dugas to have been patient zero. So his name is slandered after his death and it takes quite a while, like 30 years to clear his name, if you will. That's a bit of the history about patient zero. Now, even though it was a widespread belief and yes, it was enforced to sell books. It wasn't a belief that everyone held and enter John Grayson, the writer and director of Zero Patients, as one of those people. So what I gather from this film is that he really wanted to educate people about the HIV AIDS virus and to say that even if Zero, as he's called here, so we can see that he has intentionally not named Zero Dugas or any reference to him, he's made him very neutral. But his intention here is to say this person that we're calling as patient zero probably isn't patient zero, most likely not patient zero at all. And there are many other factors involving the spread of the HIV virus. In terms of the story, so Phil, you were alluding to this as well, that the film has a lot of themes. And I guess instead of trying to tick off boxes, it does balance these themes all at once and kind of has them harmoniously. That's what I figured you were sort of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually found that the film spent a lot of time serving as an education, that it really was explaining things about the virus and how it spread and how it fits. And I think that's where I mean the, the questions it does, right? For example, the teacher, George, uh, played by Ricardo Keynes Douglas, he questions the act-up mob that he's with. Mm. And because he's like, well, hang on, the medication, I'm taking that medication and I'm this and I'm that. And then they sort of snipe back at him saying, oh, yeah, but it's all corporate shill and it's all, they're, they're being evil because they're costing so much. And that question isn't directly answered. No. Now, in a lot of other movies, they would have hammered too hard on it, thus making it a question that the audience actually needs an answer for. Yeah, that's right. Whereas this movie, I think, has done a really good job, and that's just one example of quite a few that I were in there, mm. of perfectly balancing rhetorical questions. Yeah. Perfectly balancing that, so it's enough to make me think about it, but not enough for me to demand an answer. Right. So it seems like the way it presented information and topical questions and thought-provoking scenes worked quite well for you. I think so. And then when you get into the stuff that, as you say, it was trying to actually educate us on, it was almost like there was, yes, the stuff in the box that was like, this is what we need to teach you about. Yeah, you know, there is no patient zero. Stop slandering names. We're humans too, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that stuff was really well portrayed. Yeah. Then there was this more ethereal stuff, which, especially for the time, mm. was stuff that was more being 
in the debating box? Do we trust scientists and doctors or don't we? I'm going to throw this question out with two differing opinions, but not enough that you need me to answer it for you. So, Philip, let me ask you this question now, as I was sort of alluding before we went to some context there. Again, this film seems to be quite educational. If we compare it to, for example, a movie that we did a while back for another World AIDS Day special, Philadelphia, Mm. And I remember the discussion that we had there. There were some things that you weren't really sure about in terms of the disease, of the illness, you know, of the virus and how, you know, what that meant for the characters or how, how that was portrayed. So do you feel, for example, that Zero Patients, which, mind you, released the same year as Philadelphia to a much smaller audience, <laughs> do you think that, Zero Patients did a better job in terms of conveying discussion points or information about HIV AIDS than Philadelphia did. That is very difficult because Mm. the problem I had with Philadelphia is, was there was a lot of assumed knowledge and the problem this one ironically has is that from me sitting in 2020, Mm -hmm looking at this film from the 90s, it walks me through enough to be able to go, okay, cool, this is you. And like, let's take that example from ACT UP again. I know enough about the political discourse, which hasn't changed for millennia, (laughs) to know that, okay, they're worried about doctors versus the actually getting the treatment. We've got the same problem today with all sorts of different medications and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all sorts of things. So that made sense. The stuff they're trying to teach, I knew enough about everything because they weren't diving deep, headlong, deep into stuff. And the ironic issue is that me sitting here really appreciated it and could follow it as far as you could follow the musical itself, (laughs) but I could follow it and really grasp what they were talking about. But I'll bet your bottom dollar, it would have been far too simple for people watching it at the time. Where Philadelphia, I was picking on it because it had a lot of assumed knowledge, but it knew for its time and audience, you know this stuff. You don't need me to show you a newspaper headline saying AIDS crisis. What do we do? Mm. You know, it's, it's all stuff that, you know, in the moment in time, it'd be like someone, you know, releasing a movie that they started, you know, started this year discussing about what we're going to do about Corona. And then Mm. The half the movie is just explaining what Corona is. Yeah. We know what it is. But in 20, 30, 40 years time, someone my age would look at that movie and go, oh, I'm glad they explained to me what Corona was. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. I wonder if the reason why they explained so much was to really emphasise how the alleged patient zero that we have cannot be patient zero, or it is irresponsible to assume 
that we have a patient zero here because, you know, it's quite an outrageous thought to begin with, but people grabbed onto it. People really did believe it. So I wonder if it's walking through elements of the HIV AIDS virus on purpose to say, okay, we've got this myth now that you're all holding onto that zero is the man who brought HIV AIDS to North America. This is why you're wrong. So maybe yeah. that was the angle. I don't know. I, I, I feel oh, like, possibly? yeah, because yeah, I kind of feel like. Here's all I, the evidence listed out. Yeah. This is what is all wrong about your argument. Yeah, yeah I, I can th- see that. I think that that's probably what it is. Interestingly, though, I actually had a, a different opinion to, to what you have about the time okay. that it was made in. I, I kind of thought, well, yeah, I, I appreciate that there's a lot of information about HIV AIDS at the time, but there's also so much fear and discrimination mm. that maybe we're, you know, we're sort of like deaf to all of that and blind to all of that because we just want to pick on this marginalized group of humans who are not seeing as human, who are seeing as dangerous and irresponsible. And this is what you're all doing that, you know, the information that is relevant about how it's spread, for example, and who who can catch it and how it can be caught and so forth, you seem to forget about or don't want to listen to. So I don't know. I feel like because we're better educated now and that we don't say people are dying from AIDS, we say people live with HIV AIDS. So much so that if you're on medication in developed countries, it's undetectable. It's like you don't have HIV at all. It's a remarkable thing, really, when you think about it. Um, mm. So this definitely is a movie of its time. Absolutely of its time. So speaking of, I guess, the time that it was made, Philip, when we were discussing about what movie we should talk about for our special today, one of the comments that you had said to me was, it's so 90s. Just based on the trailer, yeah. you thought, this is so 90s. As a 90s musical, low-budget one too, what did you think of the aesthetics? It was actually better. Its trailer doesn't do it justice. It was actually better than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. When I first started off, I'm like, oh, here we go. (laughs) Um, Low-budget, weird ideas. It opens with basically, basically opens with the idea of, you know, the, the fountain of youth. What? on earth have I got myself into with this one? Yeah. But you're right. As you sort of accept, okay, this is the premise they're going with and this is what they're going to run with. Okay, cool. This is the, the actual aesthetic whilst nineties, whilst heavily nineties was actually really well put together. You could tell that it was heavily influenced by theatre. I don't know whether it was a theatre show first or not. I don't believe it was a theatre piece, but you're right. The musical numbers especially come across as very theatrical. I mean, even some of the the props, you know, they don't try to hide it, look like they're just cardboard cutouts, but that's what they're intending to do, yeah. Even just small bits, like when Zero wakes up in the bath and realises he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's sort of the way he's talking to himself and then he just goes, Hawk! <laughs> it, that's a very, very theatre thing. Yeah, yeah. That is a very, yeah, just theatre way of doing stuff. So you could picture the fade to black 
Uh, everyone running off and grabbing all the props, running off. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, you're right, so, but like even that like song, you know, in in the showers, the the Papa Bono yeah. number, you know, the guys yeah. aren't getting wet. You know, the light is blue to indicate yeah. water, and then it flashes to natural or neutral light to indicate yeah. the water has is no longer running on them. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting choice, isn't it? And I wonder if that's to tie into the love of theatricality of the target audience for example because we've got you know bright colors we've got loud costumes these you know risque musical numbers because it's a type of humor the queer community tend to Mm. to connect to really well i mean when we see zero in the afterlife he he's dancing with a disco ball essentially (laughs) right yeah no exactly so um uh, look, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the visuals. I enjoyed what they did. I quite often found myself going, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Even if it opened up against Philadelphia, I could see it definitely not doing well. It's almost, its message is for, I want to go out on a limb and mm-hmm. suggest that its message is possibly for a mainstream audience, but its execution was that for a queer audience. I can definitely see that zero patience would appeal more to a queer audience and Philadelphia, for example. And it's really apples and oranges. Let's be honest. These two movies. Uh, Yeah, most certainly. But if you've got a message for one. Yeah. Sell it to (laughs) them. Yeah. yeah. And and Philadelphia itself was targeted at a heterosexual audience at at a mainstream audience on purpose. Yeah. And you might be able to answer me this, but that's always baffled me just a little bit. Hmm. Obviously, there are there are queer films for queer audiences, mm. and the message. Is, I'm not saying you have to. Oh, you can't give this message to these people because that's not good. <laughs> this message was very obviously. If you're selling this to a queer audience, they're going to sit there and go, "Mate, you're preaching to the choir. We we, we already know this shit." Yeah. Uh, it's not like a not like a, a queer story that you know you'll go and go oh cool you know oh yeah I see that I can relate to that yeah. it's no seriously you you're, you're yelling at the wrong people here yeah well why I think... would they go in and make it a queer piece for a message that's obviously for a mainstream audience do you think well I think that perhaps it was really trying to connect to a queer audience, maybe more so than a mainstream audience, because I feel like the way it's executed, it really does hit a lot of the the notes that a queer audience would connect to. So the question might be then, Philip, is, well, hang on, if you're connecting or targeting a queer audience, what's with all of this information overload or why are you trying to, as you've said, preach to the choir? It doesn't quite make sense. The reason I'm going to assume is because even though the HIV AIDS virus in Western society predominantly affected at first the gay male community, this did not mean that the queer community was harmonious was supportive. Mm-hmm. So okay, that makes lots of sense. Yeah, of course. So you've got a community that, especially early 80s, when this virus grabs the world by the throat, right? 
early 80s, even in Western society, you've got gay people being shunned and rejected by their families. They're being fired from work and they are being beaten on the street. So the gay community is tight knit. You would like to think because, you know, has to look after their own. Mm. Enter this virus and people get scared. And so while members of the queer community rally and support and offer love, others don't. I feel like because there isn't this 100% unity and harmony and look, that's across the board in any type of group of humans and and communities and so forth. But because we're talking about the virus within the queer community, this is where we're going with this discussion. Yeah. That I guess it then almost is necessary to make a movie that tries to set the record for lack of a better word straight about the spread of HIV AIDS and who's brought it into North America. We don't know. And really does it matter? No, doesn't. So that I feel like that could be the reason behind it. I'm that's my own assumption really just based on what I know of the era and the fear behind this pandemic. And especially when we look at the United States where this research was being taken, the epidemic was not being taken seriously by the government at the time led by Ronald Reagan. And this is why so many gay men, especially, but a lot of other people too fell to the disease because when you've got a marginalized community, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. And so now this marginalized community can't turn on itself needs to support itself. Right. Because who else is doing it? Not many people are doing it. So I feel like that that could be one of the main motivations behind John Grayson writing and directing the movie in the manner that he has. Uh, That's just my, that's just what I'm, I'm drawing from different, sources and thoughts to 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 bring that theory together but yeah yeah it definitely makes sense the republicans have a bit of a history of ignoring epidemics and pandemics (laughs) yeah it doesn't seem like much has changed hey no has not (laughs) has not has not done it no no No. it's it's sad Uh, but true hmm. there is one tiny thing that got on my goat and i haven't quite been able to work out what she was doing you might be able to answer this the lady from Act Up, mm-hmm. when Mr. Fountain of Youth has his change of heart and goes in and tries to stop his own video being shown yep. at nearing the end, the lady from Act Up, as he's being escorted out, does something in his pocket. Mm. Do you know what that is? What is she putting something in there? Is she? I know the scene, but I, to be honest, I can't actually remember what significance it has. Because I think that is literally the, this is where my main actual gripe of this movie comes in. Mm -hmm. Because for all the upset about them doing well with their messaging and not hitting too hard, the wrap up of this movie is just abysmal. Okay. So where where does the wrap up begin for you? Where does it go downhill for you? The wrap up really begins probably around that point of Sir Richard Burton getting up and, and being said, oh, I'm not ready. And the, the, the other bloke 
grabbing the video and saying, oh, we'll take this one instead. Mm. I would call about there the wrap-up is. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And there onwards, it just feels rushed. It okay. feels disingenuous. Did you believe Rich. that Burton and Zero, like, fell in, Did you believe their love story element in this movie? I was just getting there, and it, it cuts off too too early, too quick. Okay, yeah. It's just that little bit. I needed, like, another maybe 10 minutes of movie, mm-hmm. I feel, just to help with the wrap-up. Because, again, that ending bit where then the act up get in and they sabotage everything and they have that little dance number and stuff like that. It's just too quick. Yeah. It's too, it, it feels like they, you know, there's a couple of times where maybe they took a take and went, ah, fuck it. They'll do, you know, uh, one, one take one go. Right. It yeah. just, yeah. The, the whole thing just felt half assed, half done, not wrapped up well. It was a shame because the rest of it felt very nice in where it sort of laid questions to to rest and just to sort of float and hover. So it sort of didn't quite end on the note that you expected because it had built some sort of positive momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even even the direction that went with it was fine by me Mm. in the sense that, you know, I was okay with, you know, zero passing and mm. Richard coming to see the light and act up getting their little revenge thing. Although again, just to sort of play with this idea that act up aren't all that it cracked up to be the thing. There was a little bit of me that kind of maybe, and again, cynical side of me, maybe. Yeah. Kind of sort of wanted me to see them go in, do all this stuff. And then the very next day, it's just get it going on as normal and it doesn't matter what they do that it's hard for them to fight against the big you know what i mean yeah something like that but that's the cynical side of me i get they wanted to try to wrap it up more positively but yeah just it just it felt too quick it looked to me like the focus was then about really having the turnaround for Burton. yeah that he stopped really trying to pursue zero as this bad guy fell in love with him uh, definitely didn't expect that because uh, he's got that moment, which is quite funny where he wants zero to stay because he's still trying to do his research and so forth and trying to capture him on camera. Zero's a ghost. So he doesn't appear on camera and he comes in to sort of be like, you know, do what you want with me. And he's wrapped in plastic, <laughs> that really extreme yeah. outfit, which was really, which I thought was really funny. It was a highlight for me in terms of the gags, but yeah, I guess that sort of turns him around because he's, you know, gone from that, to happily having sex with Zero in that exhibition and them having this genuine connection and then needing to break up because Burton's gone through his character arc and so has Zero. And then Zero's sort of ready to be laid at peace now because I guess the truth has come out. Yeah, it was all nice. Just rushed for me, yeah. Uh, What were your thoughts on uh, some of the performances in this film? Did you have any particular highlights like what did you think about john robinson as sir richard burton is he british because <laughs> if he is mm. then he's spent far too long in canada <laughs> he's a canadian he's actor a, he's a canadian actor a Canadian actor. then yeah he needs to go back to accent school that was, it was a shocking accent <laughs> <laughs> 
absolutely terrible. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's let's also let's put this into context, Phil. Let's put this into context. How how old is he? And we're not sure how long he's lived in Toronto, but he could have lived in Toronto for a hundred years. (laughs) And look, the fact that he was a hundred and something year old scientist from the eighteen hundreds, sort of, I I could look past it. So it didn't really take me out of his performance. But if we're going to talk about it, end of the day, he had a terrible accent um, I thought Norman Fateau was really great as Zero but he did an absolutely beautiful job at that um, you liked him as Zero yeah you didn't gosh Phil you and I are just absolutely opposites on this movie because <laughs> I was going to say right I really liked John Robinson's performance as Burton. I actually liked him. I thought he was quite engaging. I thought it was a, he was a strong screen presence. His accent didn't bother me whatsoever. I thought he was quite committed to the role, really. Uh, I really liked him and thought he was quite strong. I thought Norman Fateau was, was a little wooden, actually. I didn't... I did, I, it is, Mm. <laughs> it didn't didn't quite do it for me, but yeah, what were your thoughts on Norman's performance? Yeah, no, I do. I thought he was. I didn't see him as wooden in the slightest. I thought okay. he was for the role that he was given. We are seeing his story being played out through Richard Burton's discoveries, mm. interviews, prejudices, yeah, etc. So we needed our zero when we see them collide and connect and stuff to be that bit more neutral, I thought. Mm. Because if we instantly see uh, how zero really is and that, oh, actually, he is a good guy and he is this, he is that, then we no longer believe or can trust or anything with Richard. Whereas with this, with this sort of neutral take and this take of, you know, oh, well, life's shit. I just saw it as, you know, life is shit and death is shitter. So I'm, um, all for, I'm all for Zero being portrayed and being played neutral. I actually really like that. And look, Norman Fouteau is incredibly good to look at, right? Very easy on the eye. We can see why he would be this uh, amazingly sexually promiscuous person and, you know, all of those things that Zero is painted to be. But I just didn't... I didn't feel like a natural performance to me. Uh, Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. One thing I did like what they did with the character of Zero, though, was his muscle top. Did you notice, Mm. Phil, that his muscle top, the text on it changed every now and then? No, I didn't notice that. I did see it say be kind at one point and I didn't notice it after yeah. that. Yeah, there were messages sort of about like seeing is, is believing and eye for an eye about loving. So there were the messages kept changing on his muscle oh, tape, cool. which, which I actually thought was really cool. I thought that was a really nice touch. But nice. Um, yeah, no, for me, Norman Foto looked great and he did have his moments. I'm not writing him off completely, but I felt <laughs> like... He wasn't at the same level of John Robinson and, and never really reached it. But um, You see, for me, John Robinson was a caricature. He was this... Yeah. He was one uh, moustache twirl away <laughs> from being that sort of melodrama arch-villain. Well, you I know, did, did not get that from his performance. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I could... It's, and look, do not get me wrong. I am probably over, overplaying it now, but... 
because yeah, I didn't hate his character. I just yeah. didn't like his character. And the same with Norman. Yeah, I didn't love his performance, but I liked it. Okay. Um, I think there's yeah. one there's one performance that maybe we can both agree on because at this stage it looks like we've watched two different movies. <laughs> Zero's mother. <laughs> you, you like Zero's mother? Couldn't stand it. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> the person I'm talking about is Ricardo Keynes Douglas as George. One of the strongest performers in this movie. I think one of the most fleshed out characters in this movie. One of the most likable um, accessible and his character arc was really interesting as well yeah. uh, I like the way he interacted with different people he had a lot of depth and complexity and I think that uh, Ricardo Keynes Douglas did such a wonderful performance as George um, did you like him as yeah. much as me Phil? Yeah no I, I we can agree there uh, <laughs> for the record I actually didn't like the mother but um, <laughs> but Definitely, Ricardo. He yeah did an amazing job as George. Mm. Yeah, the fact that he was the one who was questioning ACT UP, the fact that he was the one who was had this sort of the duality, the fact that he was the one that had to go through. I mean, that just even that scene where, as the teacher, he goes up and speaks to the kid. Yeah. Who's, who's boring on himself mm-hmm. and then the kid's like I have AIDS and then how he just drops he's just yeah. he's not angry he's not disappointed he's not scolded he's just shell shocked yeah he's hurt by it yeah he's hurt yeah. and you can feel that yeah. being thrown right through the TV screen because it is a reflection on how you had people in society, mainstream society, dismissing the HIV AIDS virus, dismissing the people who had it, dismissing the people who were at the late stages of the AIDS virus and who were dying and were suffering and Mm. being dismissive of any push to have affordable medicine and care and all of these different things. You're right, that moment is so powerful. And yeah, Ricardo's performance is just absolutely beautiful in that moment. I have to say one of the scenes that I particularly liked as well was where Zero's looking through the microscope at his blood and he's seeing the blood vessels and the diseases that are there. And you've got a wonderful performance from Michael Callan as Miss HIV. And you've got, you know, syphilis and so forth. They're sort of competing. Well, I could have done it and I could have, (laughs) you know, and all of that. As a quick, quick, quick side note, mm. that was another example of where I felt they didn't push a answer too far one way or the other. I like because, that. Mm. Yeah. And that's, again, what I was talking about like before, where this idea that they've gone, hey, these are some ideas as well. We're not going to give you the answer. We're just going to pose the question. And it wasn't done in a way that made us go, no, 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 no. We need yeah. an answer. Do you know what, Phil? Do you know what I think is really strong about doing it that way? And just occurred to me now, because you really emphasise this point. I think it then goes to reiterate, here are some questions, here are some theories about all of these different things relating to the HIV AIDS virus. So how can you be sure that Zero is the person who brought the virus into North America? And that's actually quite powerful. I've never thought about it that way. And I... Yeah, I think that that is such a strong point. Absolutely. 
Phil, one of the key components of this movie, it's a musical, it's a fantasy musical. And because it's a musical, hey, you can pretty much do anything you like because, you know, convention in terms of storytelling goes out the window, really. Were there any musical numbers that you particularly liked? Zero Patience, the the, the title song, mm. was catchy. Yeah, I liked it too. Oh, <laughs> just as a little fun side note. Yeah. Um, I accidentally, just because of how my I had my YouTube set up, I accidentally watched this, just the first little bit at double speed. Oh. <laughs> so just like just like the first few minutes or whatever, but. I tell you now, uh, Zero Patience is actually more entertaining at double speed. Because <laughs> <laughs> afterwards I was like, oh, I gotta go back and listen to it properly. I'm like, oh, it's a bit more upbeat at double speed. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, you and I were able to watch Zero Patience on, on YouTube because it's not the easiest movie to find. No, no. Someone has put it on uh, YouTube for us. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to Zero Patience <laughs> at, um, at double speed. The butthole duet. Yeah, what did you think about that? It, it's the most vulgar of the gags, I suppose. It really felt... That, to me, was when I started feeling the whole... Like, really feeling the whole... Who's this aimed at? Mm. That and um, Papa Boner. But <laughs> that, that, uh, the butthole duet, I was like, okay, who's this aimed at? Because that was only put in that it didn't it didn't move the story forward. It didn't enlighten us about anything. It was purely and utterly so they could have a couple of assholes singing. Well, it was essentially really it was their first true discussion about them having sex together, though. Was it? Yeah, that, that's that's how I took it about Burton and Zero talking about anal sex and, and gay sex and penetrative sex that way yeah and how both uh, was like uncomfortable with it and yeah and yeah. Vera had a different opinion about it yeah no fair enough I can't argue that then but I didn't yeah. I, at the time I didn't feel that okay that's fair that. <laughs> no well, like you I really like the title song of Zero Patience I think Popper Bono is hilarious and fun. I really enjoyed it. And I liked the way that it was staged. I thought that that yeah, was Yeah, yeah, it was really good. It reminded me a little bit of, and very vaguely and distantly, but um, there's a comedy band called Ninja Sex Party, yeah. which I really enjoy. And they've got a song called No Reason Boner. <laughs> uh, it just reminded me a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, lovely. Probably... The favourite of the songs, though, that I had was the the breakup song between Boaten and Zero, and that was called Six or Seven Things. Towards the oh. end, there, I really liked that song. I, I thought that that was quite beautifully done. I love the way it was performed. I love the way that it was shot and staged. And I think narratively, it it did what it was intended. That was, and, yeah. Yeah. No, I really did like that one. But Phil, this is seems to be a film that's polarised us in some elements. I find it hilarious that there were so many things it, that we couldn't agree on. Yeah, it is polarised us, but at the end of the day, the main thing is I think we both enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I'm really curious to see if we both did enjoy it. Mate, your final thoughts and a score out of five for Zero Patience. Definitely going into it, I really did not 
was not looking forward to watching it. It just, it, as I said, the trailer, I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, here we go, bloody 90s <laughs> musical, going to be full of all these annoying songs that just go nowhere and the, the graphics are going to be rubbish. And, and I was actually pleasantly surprised that even though the story was weird, mm. once you got over the initial-ness huh, of it, yeah. it was a really solid story that had a solid message and conveyed it in a very entertaining and concise manner. I definitely feel that it is a product of its era. However, unlike, as we talked about Philadelphia, this one I feel gave enough for a modern audience to be able to watch it without as much context as, say, Philadelphia. Because it, it did spell things out. It did give enough. I had a very vague knowledge of where it came from uh, initially, or at least what people thought it did. I had a very sort of vague memory of this idea of a patient zero even to the point that when you were telling that story, mm. I was, that was it was only then in this podcast that I went, oh, yeah, I've heard this thing about there is no such thing as patient zero. It's yeah. O as in outbound or out of state as, as it were. Because it's happened with a couple of things. Right. It's happened with that. And I think it's also happened with the first Ebola. Mm-hmm. So it was patient O but it was something to do with, yeah, out of state or outbound or, oh, okay. or something like that. With Ebola, it was actually the media that saw that and went, oh, patient zero, patient zero. And yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, there was like several other people. and uh... <laughs> Everyone's always hungry for the cause because it's like, if that's you know it. the cause, for some reason that makes you feel better about it. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's it. yeah. Got someone to blame. <laughs> exactly. Um, a scapegoat was again, needed. Yeah, scapegoat was needed. That's it, that's it. But that's the whole thing, that this movie talked me through it enough to be able to go, okay, I can put these pieces together. I don't need to know all the ins and outs and that because you've given me enough to work with to be able to then go, okay, cool, I can follow this. I can I can form an opinion with all the questions that you haven't answered. I can, mm. I can actually think about this with the context. Mm. And on top of all that, yeah, as I said, very entertaining. So the, the bits that I struggled with were the very start <laughs> and the very end. Yeah, the bookends. <laughs> and, and the bookends. And that's literally because at the very start, as I said, it was a lot of, huh, what, huh? Once I got past that, really entertaining. Then I'd get to the end. They'd already stopped talking about the actual, you know, patient zero side of things and the AIDS side of things, HIV side of things. And they'd just tried to wrap up this little love story and I felt it was just a bit rushed. I wanted mm-hmm. another maybe 10 minutes just to allow yourselves that breathing space to do it properly. Instead, I just felt it was sort of a... He had a eureka moment. And, oh, now we're finished. Mm-hmm. End of the day, though, I, yeah, I enjoyed this. So for me, I'd have to say a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, Philip, it's always interesting when we 
you know, go back and, and watch movies that are definitely of their time. And I agree yeah. that Zero Patience is of its time. And what an interesting time as well it was made. I think in 1993, it definitely served a purpose. And I think that it really did intend to educate, inform, as well as entertain, because it does all of these things in a really quirky way. I don't particularly think it's going to be as accessible (laughs) to as many people as, say, more straightforward films or even straightforward musicals. But I think that people who like their humour a bit edgy and who are just curious of what a musical about AIDS might be like, that isn't rent. <laughs> this is uh, definitely an an alternative. Or, or to that it. one from uh, Team America: World Police. Yes, AIDS <laughs> AIDS the musical. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. parody of rent. But in terms in terms of zero patience, I feel like it's a film that would have been more effective at its time. I don't think that it holds up as well as other films made around the same time and this could possibly be because we are a lot more knowledgeable about the hiv aids virus and don't necessarily need so much talking through it however i am aware that perhaps for people who are younger than myself who have taken for granted that what this disease means in terms of history, in terms of humanity, uh, in terms of the queer community, and who, you know, are like, well, I'll just take prep, it's no problem, and be done for it. You know, this is way, way, way before anything like that was an option. I feel like this could probably be of more interest to them as a curiosity piece. I think for its budget, it's really well made. I think, generally speaking, the performances are quite good. Yes, I had some reservations, but I think that there's a lot of care and effort into making a quirky movie. Do you feel it's maybe a bit of a time capsule sort of thing going on? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely of its time, and I don't Mm. think it survives the test of time as well as Mm. other movies. Again, to to compare it to to Philadelphia, because we have been for the whole podcast, you know, Phil, I remember you saying that you felt like Philadelphia didn't stand the test of time well, but it was good as a time capsule. That's probably how I would feel about Zero Patients. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. yeah. Yeah, I feel like of its time, it's really interesting, I think, to watch in that context. And I think when you know the significance of the real life patient zero who thankfully is no longer regarded as patient zero but when you think about the importance about trying to get clarity and trying to save someone's reputation in terms of how he was labeled as this epic villain who was really horrible but really by being so open and honest about his sexual practices provided a lot of useful information so I like that John Grayson had the foresight to educate his own community about the virus and I guess to just try to bring some harmony within really by educating and doing it in a manner that was accessible. Mm. In terms of watching this movie today, so yes, whilst I can appreciate the context in which it was made, watching it today, it doesn't quite hold up for me. There's some pacing issues for me And some, not all, of the musical numbers really sort of engaged. There was 
a few mm. highlights and when they're good, they're really good, but some you could sort of take or leave from me. So I think yeah. that this is an important movie in terms of the history of queer cinema, especially because it begins at the new wave of queer cinema, which is really important. But for me, I think we'll, we'll keep it as a cult classic. <laughs> um, yeah. So I give zero patience two out of five. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Who would have thought this would have been polarizing, eh? I know. I definitely, yeah, I did not think whatsoever, but Philip, <laughs> that's what makes an interesting discussion and a good review. And yeah, yeah. I still recommend people check out zero patience if they can source it, because I think it's such a strong curiosity piece. But on that note, I've been a Philip Hunting. And I've been a Wayne Stellini, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music! I was going to sing one of the songs, but then I realised I don't actually know it off the top of my head. Oh, shut up, fell up. Shut up. And scene. Blooper reel. I'm Elaine Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films. Sorry, just from Wayne Stellini? Yeah. But when Zero's family and friends refuse to paint him as a knowing and irresponsible spreader. <clears throat> why? You know, uh, why? Sir Richard Francis Bat. So why French Francis Burton? So for as an example, mm. there's sorry. That's okay. Um, cheat sheet, cheat sheet. And zero Mary George, is that That was the teacher? Who Yep, cool, that's all on. On. Yep. God, he was so good. Sorry, gone. Yeah. Um, as an example, uh, George, uh, played by Ricardo Keynes Douglas, um, was who's who's the teacher, um, as you, you off camera told me. Um, he. <laughs> okay, okay. Start okay, that okay, again. Um, pronounce his name, Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. Oh, I'm going to imagine it's Ricardo. Yeah. Let's take that uh, example from Get Up as, uh, again. Act Up. I know enough. Hmm? Act Up. The fact, even just small bits, like when... Oh, of course. I can also see, though, why, especially if it opened up against Philadelphia, <laughs> I can see it not doing well. Um, it... I want to go out on a limb and mm. suggest that its message is possibly for a mainstream audience, but it's, um, oh, what do you call it when you execution, but it's execution was that for a queer audience. Yeah. I can definitely um, see that patient. Uh, and so I feel because there isn't this hot, this, the, mm. Lady from Get Up. Get Up? Yes. Up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Probably around that point of um, uh, Richard. Um, 
I thought uh, I thought Norman Ferto. I thought Norman Ferto was. You said it right the first time. You said it right the first time. Can we use the first one? Yes. Thank you. He was one uh, mustache twirl away from being <laughs> the the the. Um, what do you call those? Not pantomimes. Oh, like the silent movie. Oh, well, the melodrama. And the same with uh, Patient Zero. Uh, and the same with Norman. There's one performance that maybe we can both agree on because at this stage it looks like we've watched two different movies. <laughs> Zero's mother. <laughs> you, like, you like Zero's mother? <laughs> Couldn't stand it. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> For the record, I I, I liked uh, Diane Hetherington yeah. as 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 Zero's mother. Uh, no, sorry. Oh gosh, fuck! That was the wrong character. <laughs> Cut that out. However, unlike as we talked about Philadelphia, this one I feel gave enough for a contemporary audience, a modern one. If I use that right, I'll change it has used it for, that allows I, I can actually think about this out of context um, sorry I can actually think about this with the context mm. I don't actually think it holds up well I don't think it's I don't Good. think yeah sorry that's me thinking but just trying to how to word it I do like that John Grayson had this foresight to not just go with the pack and say, no, something like this doesn't make sense. I want to educate my own community. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. I don't know if he's gay. Um, ah. Mind you, I would assume he's, if he's making this movie. This is an assumption, but yeah. Um, assume makes an ass out of you and me. Yeah. And then you sing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Phil, I'm just going to double check. That's yeah, he's openly gay. Okay, great. Um, what was I saying though? But Philip, <laughs> that's what makes an interesting discussion and a good review. And yeah. I still recommend people check out Zero Patients if they can source it because I think it's such a strong curiosity piece. Yeah. Did you want to sign off? Oh, it is me first. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing.